All right, so if you want to read a good book about uh, the Christian view of work, Every Good Endeavor is a great book by Tim Keller. Um, the last time, we've kind of taken a pause. We got to Nehemiah, who um, has gotten now to Jerusalem to build a wall. So for the last week and then this week, I wanted to pause before we move forward on him actually doing the work to just talk about work as a whole. Because here's a guy who's an engineer, a foreman, a, a brick builder, a uh, wall builder, and he's just going to go into work. So I want to just spend two times just talking about work, and then in January we'll pick back up with Nehemiah and his challenge on actually building this wall. But the last time we just talked about three incomplete views of work, uh, the secular view, the two-story view, and the uh, work as a pulpit. So the secular view, just to, to, be, to remind ourselves, the primary purpose of work is self-fulfillment. So success in my life, success in work equals success in my life. So we talked about these and we talked about the weaknesses, but what are, what's one, besides just leaving God out of that equation, which is the biggest problem with that view, what, what's, a, what's another big problem if you just have a secular view of work? Just shout it out. What's one or two problems? Okay, so we know that when God's not involved, what's another one? Yeah, so everything's based on, on that. You know, it could be success is success or failure is failure. So really work just becomes an idol. And, and that's, a, that's a bad thing about if work is your idol. Second, two-storied view. That, that means there's, there's sec, sec, secular work and sacred work. So I'm doing sacred work, and you're stuck doing secular work today. Sorry, guys. But I've got sort of like the little bit higher position, and you guys got the JV squad, right? What's the problem with that view? What's that? Okay, it's a bad mindset. What else? Yeah, yeah. So that's the biggest problem is it just makes it class-oriented, and we don't want to have that in any kind of work, whether it's, you know, my work versus your work or even in secular work, so to speak. There's some, you know, stratification that makes one work better than another. All right, so... Uh, the, one of the ways that this view of two-story work comes out, I actually had a conversation last week with somebody, and um, they were saying, uh, look, we're, we're on the Titanic, it's sinking, and all we need to be concerned about is getting souls into heaven. Okay. You like that? Well, you see how that's a two-storied work. In other words, there's just one thing that's valuable, and then everything else, if, you're not, if it doesn't directly connect with that, then it's kind of like chairs on the Titanic, right? I mean, that's, you're just kind of wasting your time. And then I could say, hey, that was a two-storied view of work. That didn't really go over well in this conversation, but that was the, you know, that was the problem. They, they have this view, and I'm not saying the world... Is it, you know, sinking in some way? And we need to be concerned about souls, but God's redeeming all things. He's not just redeeming souls. He's redeeming all of creation. That's what's amazing about the way he's working. All right, work as a pulpit. 
So now another incomplete view of work is I work so I have a chance to do evangelism. What's, what's a, what's a, that's a good thing, but why is that an incomplete view? What's wrong with that? Okay. Say more about that. Okay. Will, you going to say something? Yeah. It definitely devalues work. It's, work itself is only a means to an end. Does that make sense? It, it, the work's really not important. It's just a bridge to get to what's important. So your work is kind of meaningless. Uh, so you don't want to have a devalued view of work itself. So these are all incomplete views or wrong views. And today we want to talk about uh, God's view of work. And I want to show two videos. The first one is just a, a one-minute discussion about work from a Christian point of view by Tim Keller. Luther certainly has made. It's actually around the, you might say, the, the Christian doctrine of providence, how God creates the world, but then he, he sustains it through his providence. He's guiding it. He doesn't just let it go off on its own. So what Luther will say is that uh, the Bible says God actually feeds every living thing. Well, then Luther says, well, how is he doing that? He's obviously not literally coming and bringing the food and putting it on the table. Uh, when the farmers are farming, when the milkmaid is uh, milking the cow, when the truck driver is taking the, the uh, food to the market, this is God taking care, feeding you. And uh, the same thing with uh, strengthening the bars of your gates, Luther says, what that means is God is keeping your city secure, but actually he's doing it through policemen and good lawmakers and things like that. So Luther says that through uh, the providence of God, God is actually caring for his creation through the work of other human beings. And what's great about that is it does mean that all good work, everything from uh, milking a cow to uh, driving a truck to cleaning a house, is God's work. Uh, there's a tendency, I think, sometimes for us to say, well, what's the Christian way to do that work? Well, there usually is a Christian way to do work, but just doing the work well and serving other people through the work is actually uh, participating in God's work. So doing the work well is actually part of uh, just participating in good work. So we want to talk about work from two different uh, viewpoints. One, that it has intrinsic value. You know what that means, intrinsic just all by itself, standing all by itself, it's valuable. It doesn't need to be connected to something uh, else. And I want to talk about this from several different ways. Number one, um, let me just put these all up here. So first of all, God is a worker. So Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, what's the very first thing we see God doing? Working. It's not, not, not a surprise. And it says this, 
God saw everything that he had made, everything he had created uh, working, and it was good. And the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested from all of his work. God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God is a worker. So God's created us in his, in his image. So as a, when we work, we're doing God-like things. It has value all by itself. So work isn't beneath God. That's one thing we want to know. It's, it's, uh, one commentator, I love this, says, it's not by accident that God shows up in the Old Testament as a gardener and in the New Testament as a carpenter. So just as you think about God, one of the ways you think about God is he's a worker. He's just a blue-collar worker, gardener, uh, a carpenter. Uh, so work isn't beneath God. Work is not a result of the fall. It's not like Adam was supposed to just lounge around in the garden and, you know, whatever he wants, look at butterflies. Uh, and then Satan came and fe- we fell, humanity fell, and now we have to work. Like, oh, Adam, we'd all be on vacation if it wasn't for your stupid, you know, decision. That's not the idea. God actually was giving Adam before the fall, I want you to go to work. I want you to do things. And so it's not a result of the fall. It's not a curse. Work is actually not a four-letter word. (laughs) I just wonder if you think that way when you wake up in the morning. Oh, got to go to work. It's not really a four-letter word. It's not something that's like a barrier that's preventing you from doing what's really meaningful. In other words, I'm stuck doing this for eight or ten hours today, but what's really meaningful is when I get off work, I'm going to go do this other thing. The work itself has to have meaning. It's supposed to have meaning, and work is designed for joy. This is one of the things that I think is really important. God is like a craftsman, and he creates creation, says God saw everything he made, and he just looks at it and says, that's awesome. Without it having any other use, I don't know how many of you work with your hands, even if it's a hobby. You, You like woodworking or you like some kind of things that you do with your hands. And when you're finished with a product, you could do this if you just want to mow your lawn. I've done this with my own lawn. You just finish and you just want to say, yeah. It's, it's just nice all by itself. You just like to look at it. it. Without it having any other function, one great function is just beauty. You created something. You, you made something. So God is a worker. His work is designed for joy. Not everything has to be useful in that sense. It doesn't have to be, well, and so I connect it to something. Beauty all by itself can be useful. See, if everything has to be useful, then creativity, artist, art, being an artist, those kinds of things, they're going to be on the low end because you could say, why, why would you need this painting? You don't have to have the painting. But beauty itself can be useful. So that's one. Work is, is important because it has intrinsic value. Uh, second thing I want to say about this is God created people as workers Uh, 
uh, Genesis chapter 127, God created man in his own image. He blessed them, and then he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. So be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, over every living creature. Genesis 2.8, the Lord planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it, cultivate and keep. So you see all these words in there. So God doesn't come in and, and, and he creates something, but he's saying, I want you to maintain this and then I want you to spread it across the world I've, I've created something that's a template that you're supposed to take and then multiply out. Think about being in partnership with God. He's saying, hey, I want you to partner with me. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where, like, the, the, this, the head guy was some main guy, and you go, wow, I'm, I'm like, I'm in his business. I'm, I'm partnering with this guy. And you, you feel like, this is awesome. I remember when, a long time ago when I worked for the Atlanta Braves, when Ted Turner walked in the building, everybody got to work, right? When he walks in, everybody's like, I'm furiously working because the boss is, you know, he walks in. Everybody knew it. Now, you might not have liked him or you might have loved him, but you realize, okay, this guy, I'm, I'm like part of his food chain in some way. And so when you're connected with God and he's looking at you and saying, we're working together today. You're, you're working on my team. Whatever that is, large or small, we're in a partnership with God. And so he is asking us to do what's called in theological terms this cultural mandate to be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, and rule. So every creature is given an assignment of reproduction, but only man is given the assignment of a job. It's one of the things that separates us from a dog, is we're, we're actually given an assignment. We're given a job. We're in a partnership with the Lord, and we're supposed to subdue and to rule. So God's created the world. He's created all kinds of possibilities in the world that he wants us to discover and then use for good. This, we could stop right here and have a great ethical discussion about all the possibilities that God planted in the world and how we should or shouldn't be using those possibilities. Does that make sense? That'd be like an interesting discussion because he's given all kinds of power, but then we have to be people who use that power well. And so there's all kinds of ethical discussions, whether it's with war and machinery, or it could be just ethical discussions, like in the medical, a whole, the whole medical ethical discussion. We discover these things that God's done, and then how we use them tests our morality. That's not what we're talking about today, but that would be a great discussion. Uh, so we're forming and filling, we're, cre we're creating a civil civilization, we're taking something that's chaotic, and we're creating a culture. Most of you have been in some place where it was either you or someone else came in as the leader and they made this chaotic situation work. And you were like, thank goodness somebody's here who's taking control and getting some order here. 
You've probably had to do that in some way, but you've probably been in a place where you thought, this person is creating chaos, and when the other person comes in, they're like, yes, yes, we can all line up in the right way. That's what a good leader does. It gets everybody moving in the right lane. So that's what we do as, uh, as humans. So your work all by itself has intrinsic value. It doesn't necessarily need to be connected to something else. That's the worst part about the, the work as a pulpit. It only values your work in as much as you do evangelism. But God's saying, no, yeah, I've got work for you to do that's just good all by itself. So it has intrinsic value. Secondly, it has instrumental value. And this is what Tim Keller was talking about. God has a plan to feed everybody. And the way he does that is from, you know, from the farmer to the truck driver to the grocer. All those, all those things are part of God's plan. And so in Matthew 24 or 22, we know this. God, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. So part of loving your neighbor is taking care of your neighbor. Now, your neighbor might be your family or it might be actually your neighbor. So God's work is an instrument to love our families. 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Pretty strong word from Paul. But as men and families... We're supposed to provide for our families, and we do that by working. I, I work, and I make money, and I buy food, and I provide shelter and medical care. That's part of what I'm doing as God's instrument to care for my family. Ephesians 4, 28, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must do work, something useful with his own hands so that he may have something to share with those in need. So there's other people outside of your family who have needs, you working provides to meet those needs. So God has created work for us to do because we're made in his image and he's a worker. So when you work just all by itself, you're doing a God-like activity. And it has value all by itself. So whatever you're going to go do today, just by itself it has value. But it also has some instrumental value that it does help somebody along the way in some way. You're entering into a life that somebody's saying, I need your services, I need your help in some way. So it has intrinsic value, it has instrumental value. Now we're going to break up in groups and talk about that, but I want to show this video that does a nice job of just connecting all these thoughts a little more cleanly in a, in a three-minute video. Father, thank you for this day. And thank you for my family. Give us this day our daily bread. Please watch over us. Protect us. Keep us safe as we travel. 
make us healthy and strong. Be with our kids today. Help them learn and grow into godly young men and women. Thank you for your word. Help us know you more every day. May we never take for granted your beauty and your creativity. And for those who are hurting, who are hungry, or lost, or helpless, bring hope. Send rescue. everything. I could have just shown the video and then we could have talked because that's, that's the, you're like Paul, just skip the, the, the first 20 minutes. But do you see how, see how God's put pulling all things together. Your prayers are coming out in these working people. It's not, some, it's not like magic. God's going to magically do something. He's going to use you to answer that prayer. And you're saying when you get up in the morning, God, help, help me to be useful and a blessing to other people. And it might be getting my taxes right. It might be I need something medically. It might be I need, to be I need to learn something. It might be I have a son who needs help from a teacher or a coach. I mean, all kinds of ways. So let's take a few minutes here and talk about these uh, questions. How does it have intrinsic value? How does it have instrumental value? And then what's, what's really the biggest challenge of you thinking about that as you go into your workplace? So let's get into a group of three or four, and then we'll talk together. Ready? Break. <laughs> 